This is the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. This is going to be a show where we try to not belt Rick Astley to uh, <laughs> as loud as possible. Never going to give you up. <laughs> Colin Ward, back next, back next Canadian back back Idol leaps. winner. Boom, book it. Book that. Hey, I would go on Canadian Idol and I would be the best lip singer there is. You can go on lip sync battle then. Oh, that'd be bad. Man, that show's was, dope. Yeah, but can you imagine going on Canadian Idol, Idol oh in like God. your lip, your lip sync? It's Canadian Idol still a thing. Is that even a I don't thing think so. still? I don't think so. Here, I'll look it up. All right. And I will explain why we had Rick Astley stuck in our head. If I had a good reason, but for whatever reason, I was humming it Jeez. before the show started. And then Colin Ward's like, yeah, record it, record it. We got to start off with that. I go, eh, I don't think so. But yeah, so, for whatever reason, I had it stuck in my head. So that it's is a jam. Why, um, we started off with that. That's a jam. Yeah, you got to get a that That's, blue remix. Like those two, like in a playlist back uh, to back. Yeah, I'm feeling all right. Yeah, those are both bangers <laughs> yeah. back to back. You know, September, September 8th, 2008 was the last episode of Canadian Idol. Whoa. Wow. We're, oh, We're wow. old. 14 years ago. Yeah. Hey, you know, you know what? 14. You know what else is it? We have a couple uh, <clears throat> interesting stats for the show today. Uh, not really a huge sponsor, but uh, yeah, that is stat number one. 2008, the last year that Canadian <laughs> Idol was on air. Um, also, with that stat, uh, that was about three months after the Detroit Red Wings won uh, the Stanley Cup. So. That was a fun nice. fact of the day. And then following hey. last night's Grey Cup, <laughs> yeah, I saw this stat today. I was a big fan of it. So of course. Following the Toronto Argonauts Grey Cup victory over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, which kind of sucks. We were all Team Blue Bomber last night. but Yeah, I don't get why they say Argos. I always yeah. thought that was like a boo thing. I always thought that was like not yeah. a positive chant, but yeah. I guess it is. Yeah, but with the Argos winning last night, this is what made this stat awesome. Is since 2017, all MLSE-owned teams, so that's the Raptors, Leafs, Marlies, uh, Toronto FC, and the uh, Toronto Argos. Time out, time out for two seconds. Listeners, you know what we're referring yeah, to. Okay, 100% they know. But uh, yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, fun fact of the day is <laughs> four of those teams have won championships since the year 2017. And I'll make everyone guess who that fifth team is that hasn't won. It's in not that hard. Span of 2017 to now. So it is not hard. All you have to do is look up Toronto sports championships and you'll have to scroll a long way to see the Leafs. <laughs> but yeah, they are the only team to not win a championship under MLSE ownership since 2017. So I just thought I'd throw that stat out there. Right. You love it, eh? Anytime. Okay. If you want to get to know Reese Dumaney himself, any chance you get to throw a leaf shade, <laughs> you got him on a tee. You're, yeah. talking, you're talking 2013 Miguel Cabrera type bat hitter right there. Yeah. That. Like the ball, the baseballs are going like a beach ball for you. If you throw a leaf chair at you, if any leaf fan comes at you, they're setting it up on a tee for you. Yeah. <laughs> I got tears in my eyes. No, nah, I, I, I'd win the triple crown hey. of leafs chirps. 
Hey, I have another question for you. All right. Banner situation. That's another one. Man, <laughs> we're going to get to that. That's going to be topic number one um, <laughs> in the show. I'll quickly run through what we're going to talk about <laughs> on this week's show. Um, we're going to look at that poll that we put up on Twitter last week. Of course, that follows the firing of Dan Fitzgerald, uh, former head coach of the Niagara Ice Dogs. We will talk about that poll and the results that we got, any comments that we got. Uh, Overall thoughts on the weekend, of course, as we always do. Headlines of the week, players of the week, uh, games that we're kind of looking forward to this upcoming weekend, and then power rankings uh, to end the show. But we're going to start things off at First Ontario Centre. So I show up. (laughs) This was Saturday. What time do I show up? Um, I don't know, maybe quarter after 2, 2 2.30. Which, by the way, shout out to my buddy Ben and his girlfriend. They're expecting yeah. a baby boy. We found that out on Saturday. Gender reveals, I think, are still really stupid. But I went anyways because he's my best friend. So, yeah, yeah they have a boy. So, shout out to them. Um, so, yeah, get Dougie. there. Get to First Ontario Center, 250. Yeah. <laughs> Dougie. 215, 230 probably. You know, we get up to the press box. You have a great view. Other than the scoreboard being a little bit low, we can't see that visiting bench or visiting uh, coaching staff, but it's no big deal. So anyways, you can see the banners, of course. You got the Hamilton Bulldogs. I think they're, what are they, up to seven now, Morty? I think they're up to seven banners yeah, now. Yeah, seven. Uh, two championship banners that happened in that building, just for reference, for a couple of minutes from now. Um, so originally when they raised them, it was up above the visitor's net slash home plate area, you could say, defending. And, you know, that's where it started. They raised well, the banners up there, first game of the year against Oshawa. You know, you would expect them to be there with the banners from 2018 being there. No, they're not there anymore because, oh, someone's feelings got hurt. And they had to complain to the building. So now the Hamilton Bulldogs banners are on the side of the benches. And if you are high enough up, if you're sitting high enough up uh, on the penalty box side, there's a good chance you won't even see those banners. Because some dude had a temper tantrum or he started crying over it or he got all sensitive and complain to the building, but the Toronto Rock banners are now where the Hamilton Bulldogs banners used to be. That is a joke. That should not be a thing. They are still called the Toronto Rock. I understand they have banners. They've won championships. I understand that. Not many Toronto sports fans can understand that, but it's... There's a principal involved. Colin Moore is laughing right now. It's hilarious. But <laughs> any chance the, the Toronto Rock are secondary in that building. You could probably put them as team number three behind the Honey Badgers with Go the badge. amount of success that they've had since coming into existence. Um, why are they easier to see than the Hamilton Bulldogs um, banners? Why why is that a thing? Why can we notice the Toronto Rock banners a lot more than the Bulldogs banners? It makes absolutely no sense to me. The Bulldogs should put their banners just to just to be difficult. Although this might be a bad look, but just put them right in front of the Toronto Rock banners. Who cares? 
<laughs> just, just do it anyways. No, no, whatever. Who cares? It's lacrosse. Yeah, yeah but you know, hey, we might have an effect here because we had the idea of putting the Bulldogs banners on the opposite side. So, yeah. Who What's they need to be? You can, like, you can barely see them from up there, from where we are in the press box. The there's, a, there's a rafter in the way. Like, you can't see. There's a big bar that goes across, which, you know, helps hold the roof up. You can't see the banners. It cuts them in half. Like, what's yeah. what, what is the point? What purpose do they serve being that high in the rafters? Actually, makes actually no sense to me at all. Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree 100%. I just wish they would put them on the opposite side. I don't see what the big deal is. But one side, okay, here, we'll give you that spot. But yeah. then the Bulldogs get the other side. Yeah. That's what it should be. Why does one have to be lower than the other? Because when The Rock first came in, they put the banners like right in front of the scoreboard for hockey. It was annoying. Yeah, that made no sense. When they at all first either. did that, that was annoying. Yeah, that was yeah. tough when you could barely even see the Bulldogs bench. Calling yeah. a game from the radio side, you couldn't even see that probably. You couldn't even see the bench because of the banners being in the way. They were so low. Mm-hmm. And that press box is so high there in Hamilton. So, yeah, I agree 100%. I just wish put one on one side, put one on the other. And, uh, mm-hmm. Or get rid of the rock altogether. That's well, that makes sense. Get rid of those banners altogether. Well, it's just a thought. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, one hundred percent. Hang them up on Barton Street. <laughs> See how long they last. <laughs> All right. Twitter ball. Yeah, this let's just get the Twitter ball. Sorry, that got me fired up be, over the weekend. This is I asked, be a debate. I asked like, Reed Duffy about, about it. Like, man, I asked Reed Duffy about the banners. I go, Reed, what the heck's going on here? And yeah, he didn't have a good an- good answer. And why would yeah, he? Because somebody complained from the Rock. Oh, sorry, we hurt your feelings. But yeah, yeah for sure. whatever. It's not well, like the Bulldogs have won deep. two championships in that building. Oh no, no, they've done that. Well, hmm. I had the situation last year with uh, TSM setting up mid-game in the owners' booth. Yeah, that was like, that was solid. That yeah. Was yeah. Wild in the middle of the playoffs, we we're setting up. Literally, it's like 10 minutes into the hockey game, and we're still setting up a broadcast. And first off, they go into the owner's booth or the ball booth. And in Hamilton, it's pretty accurate. I mean, you can see what box is for who. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's right there. I mean, yeah. it literally says Hamilton Bulldogs owner or Hamilton Bulldogs on the door. Yeah. But no. I'm pretty sure they didn't have audio for the first 10 minutes of that game, too. Yeah, yeah, that, was, that, yeah, was, right that was that game because the audio. Remember, they were stringing it into the hallway. They were laying tape yeah. down. And everyone was on Twitter complaining, "Oh, I can't get audio." And that's when uh, we had the tweet of uh, the link to listen to Reed Duffy. Yeah, it went out. Yeah, exactly. But, All right, yeah, go to the Twitter poll, Wardy. I'm gonna big one. I'm gonna keep going if we keep doing this. So yeah, no big one. Hey, we gotta save that throw today because I heard about that. Your voice yeah. going. Holy, holy crap. If I don't have water within half an hour, like, like, if I, like I got to drink mo- like I had probably six Man. full bio steel bottles of water today. Like that's, oh, that's very unusual. I'm usually around like two. I had six today. That was the most I'd ever gone to the washroom ever at work. <laughs> yeah. You know but, what I've been saying? Cause you know, how I bring that bottle out of the, to the games, in the press box, it's like six cups yeah. and well, you got yeah, your that, big freaking tub. That's now. what I'm talking about. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. I got it right here. Yeah. Um, but, You're a cup guy. I'm, I got the water bottles. You're a cup guy. Yeah, I go the full Steve Eiserman in the press box. I go yeah. pour it into the glass every time. But um, yeah. yeah, I honestly, I've turned into a human wishing well. I've been going to the washroom so much after this. But it helps, <laughs> though. Honestly, like 
you sleep better. Like it fills you so up. You don't better. eat as much. Yeah, exactly. It feels so much better on the body when you're drinking water. So yeah, I mean, getting older, right? Twenty four years old. So yeah, it's probably healthier than beer too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I gotta save you for uh, canes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're a cane guy. Yeah, exactly. So uh, here we go. Twitter poll. Who wins games, coaches or general managers? 56% coaches, 44% GM. I say GM. What do you say? Um, I, I, I'm saying coaches. Okay. Yeah. I say GM. So here's my counter. I just think that GMs create the roster. They create the vision for the coach to have. I mean, they're – I know, like – and I, I know there's G, general managers around the league that when they acquire a player, they vision that person's like stepping into that certain spot via trade. When they draft the player, I mean, you're just hoping that they develop. That's on the coaching, which is the biggest part about our league. So I credit you for that one. But I just think GMs. I I think GMs create the roster. They do the drafting. They, they do all the roster management stuff. And mm-hmm. they have players in, players out. I mean, Cards remaining, big point right now in the Ontario Hockey League for one team in particular. So, you know, I'd say GM. Yeah. No, and I and I understand that, and you know that may have been the case. I'll always reference this till the end of time. The 2019 Ice Dogs. You go out get Studnika Robertson. You're thinking, oh my God, who's going to stop them? <laughs> the Oshawa Generals did, and the Oshawa Generals really. Which is weird, eh? All of that special. They had good players. Don't get me wrong. They got Sajan um, uh, from the Bulldogs. Mattenen, yeah. Um, from winning a championship the year before. But, you know, it's almost a situation there where you have too many stars, if you get what I'm saying. And, you know, again, that's on the GM. He makes all those mm-hmm. moves. He, you know, he consults yeah, but- with scouts. He consults with the coaching staff, obviously. Um, but, you know, it just felt like there was a lot. Too many stars. Similar to the Erie Otters of McDavid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, Robertson, Studnika, the guys you trade for were the, you know, join the in house guys of Akil Thomas, Philip Tomasino, Ben Jones. Um, it's, it, yeah, again, it's, oh my God, what a talented group of players. But, you know, I can see it from that standpoint where you get just too many stars and you're thinking, okay, they won't gel together because they want to be the number one guy, but they got to realize that Except they're not that going role. to be the number one guy. So it's kind of, you know, it's a, it's a little tricky for sure. Um, but, but for the coaches and saying that, and I know there were injury problems with that ice dogs team as they played throughout the playoffs. I think Robertson was dealing with something. Studnika might've been dealing with something. Um, but anyways, that's besides the point. Uh, it just the coach needs to develop the system around the group that he has, and the GM will worry about anyone that he feels fit to come in uh, to what the coach is trying to preach. And if the coach can't get players on the same page, and I, I'm going to reference Kitchen Rangers this year and early on to be specifically, uh, or to be specific, Josh Brown wrote an article saying, you know, it just seems yeah. like the room's not there. Guys are just playing for themselves, and you know that that's on the coach. And I think in yeah. this situation, we talk about Dan Fitzgerald getting let go, young coach. You know, it's tough to blame him uh, to be the problem because you know he's still getting he was still getting his feet wet. He was still trying to learn the league, yeah, trying to learn all these though, players. It's it, yeah, it's that tough, situation right? was a little 
too premature aggressive. I thought that was too aggressive that situation. I think the GM should be an owner right now. Yeah. And I think the head coach should have been an assistant coach before getting thrown right into the fire. I think they went in too far. Yeah. And now you're seeing the turmoil that comes with that. Yeah, but it's it's all about getting the room and do you have respect for the room and you can talk yeah. about numerous stories that I that I heard and you know witnessed uh, with the Ice Dogs through 2016 to 2019 about you know certain guys that were part of that coaching staff and you know who was actually being serious and who was joking around and um but that that's where it starts I think if the coaches don't have the room then it's going to be a failure right away and that's kind of what I think the Kitchener Rangers are at right now um Again, don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I'm not going to assume anything. I'm not going to assume that the coach doesn't have the room. I'm not going to assume that the players don't like the coach and they want him gone because I don't know. Why would I say that if I didn't know? It just feels like that kind of situation, right? Especially early on with the Rangers. They kind of figured it out a little bit, but um, you know, still results aren't there on a consistent basis. So, you know, it's tough. And I mean, even in the comments of this poll call, and a lot of people threw in the players, right? And oh, well, for sure, you players totally are, have to. Are the main... them. Yeah, you 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 go out and acquire a guy who scored forty goals in the league last year, and and yep. ends up scoring half of that. And it's like, well, that's not the player I went and acquired. That's a little odd. And again, there's a transition period. Slow start System. may happen unless you're George Diaco and you go to London Knights and immediately make a huge uh, impact. But um, yeah, and by the way, they have an announcement coming up. Yeah, well, they I took right now. It's coming up. So, um, but but I, yeah, it's you could look at all levels: players, coaches, you know, front office. Yeah, but it's it, it's a tough debate really to have because you gotta you gotta base it off of the group that's on the ice. You gotta base it off of the coaching staff, the off of the front office. Like it's it's tough. It's a it's a team by team situation. There's not you can't just throw a. You know, throw a phrase out there, and no, that applies to everybody. Well, no, it doesn't. That's not how it works. Yeah, a lot exactly. of sixty-sevens have only lost one game for a reason. It's because Dave Cameron's a good coach, and the players respect him enough because of the amount of success he's had in this league, that and they trust deep, him. They trust him to develop deep. them. So it's it's they've it's gotten tough, the players right? there. Yeah, they've gotten the players there. That team's a really good hockey team. Race like I tell you, Friday night they. Like, that's the first time I got to see them play live this year, Friday evening, and that was a game. I mean, that team, that team's very deep. They come at you in waves. You're looking at a fourth line that's generating the cycle play down low, generating a ton of chances. Um, that team's a, that team's a lookout for them. I mean, Brad Gardner, I think, is the most underrated player in the Ontario Hockey League right now. I mean, what a player mm-hmm. he is. This team's just so good. They come at you in ways. Um, Luca Pinelli, who – how's he not an eight-ranked prospect yet for what he's done? Yeah. I mean, it's Monday evening. We're recording. He's out here buzzing right now in Erie. So it's kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting to me to see why yeah. – like how they do those rankings because what a year he's having. It's their draft-eligible guys that are having such good years for the 67s, and that team comes at you in waves. Um and that's like you said, right? They're well coached. They got the players in check. Mm-hmm. They're just a well balanced team right now, and that's why they're tough to beat. Yeah, I did a little bit of research on Sunday evening just to kind of see where the sixty sevens compare to the teams that were near the top early on last year. And 
Um, you know, they started a week later last year, which, okay, I guess you could counteract a week there, or, you know, give them a week for last year. But uh, the Ottawa 67s having 36 points through their first 19 games, and that means 18 wins on the season. They could very easily have 19 uh, by the time that this episode airs, but I'm basing this off of Sunday and anything before that. So November 20th is when is the mark that Ottawa had 18 wins on the season. The first team to get 18 wins last year, the Mississauga Steelheads, December yeah. 29th, they got their 18th win. Yeah, they're well ahead of schedule, huh? Like they're that's about what is that? So you said they started a week behind last year. They're about three weeks. They're about three weeks ahead then. Yeah, because November. Yeah, three four weeks. Yeah they're, yeah. yeah, they're three weeks ahead of schedule. That's incredible. And then you know Dave Cameron, James Boyd, those guys have done such a good job, general manager, coach relationship, and um, props to them. I mean, they look really good. They're deep. I was thinking so. You look at the trade deadline, they still have one OA spot available. Can you imagine if the Ottawa 67s pick up Logan Morrison? Like nah. and the team but the team to watch right now with the OA situation is Mississauga with the four. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. But James Boyd James Boyd isn't gonna rush to add an OA because right now everything's working. And when you when you see that situation about how they only have two OA, so that means they can have a lot of returnees next year. This team could be good next year as well. I mean, the goaltending situation has been incredible. And we called that from day one. We yeah. said that from day one on the show this year in the preview that Ottawa's goaltending was going to be top three in the league as a tandem. Colin McKenzie was so good in Waterloo. Yeah. yeah. Paul McKenzie was so good in Waterloo. And last year, Max Deneau, so he showed those games that he could steal. He kept them in games. Him and him and Michael Simpson have both last year showed competitive games in games where they had no business winning, and they kept them in games. And now this year, as their team, as their teammates and stuff get older and as they mature, they're going to get better. They're going, they're not going to change the same. They're going to get just get better, and the rest of the team's getting better. And that's why these teams are so good in Peterborough and Ottawa. And yeah, I'm excited to see what Ottawa can do because that team's good, and they really haven't even acquired anybody. No. I mean. There, I did hear. I did hear a big talk though about a splash that was going to happen back before the season between Ottawa and a certain team um, on Friday night. I heard that, so that was interesting. I can't. I'm not going to say what because it didn't happen, but maybe it happens down the road. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting to me. Yeah, well, and with the 67s, you talked about that OA spot. If they want sustained success. Like we saw a few years ago when they went out, got Mikey DiPietro, um, you know, back when they were top spot in the East, top three in the East for three or yeah. four years. Is it even worth going to get an overager? Is it worth it? If You're you don't need to, you want to start the year. Yeah. It's you, you keep, that veteran voice. It's not good. Yeah. You keep that younger guy that continues to progress and be a superstar in year number two or three. Um, you know, obviously whatever situation they'd be looking at for a trade, but they keep that guy and you're good for three years in a row. And not a lot of OHL teams can say that now by good. I mean, over 500. Yeah, obviously that's good, but I guess I should have used the word great. Like is like, are we classifying? Yeah. You have a good year. If you're over 500, 
or if you're a division winner or top five, like it, it's so tough to measure that in the Ontario hockey well, league, right? Because you get these teams that just go on a championship run for one year, then they're done. They started from scratch again and they're kind of yeah. not bad, but they're poor for a couple of years yeah. and then they go for it and then poor again. It's, Again, that's why London's one of the most successful teams in junior hockey history is because they're able to stretch that out over a lengthy period of time. It's not just one and done. You're you're talking about three, four years in a row of being in the conference finals. Oh, it's it's tough to do. So I think it's it's tough to kind of define a good team for a lengthy period of time. And obviously the 67s come to mind most recently. Um, for the yeah. run that they went on for a few years, but it's it's an interesting debate to to have, and maybe so, we'll dig into that in the future. But it's 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 not like written in stone. You don't really know exactly yeah. what defines a really good team and a really good run. Is it just one year you make it to the conference finals and get knocked out? Right, North Bay's trying to do that right now. They lost in the conference finals last year. Kingston had to they're get over a, that. They're a contender again right now. Yeah, Kingston, exactly. Windsor Spitfires are in a good spot to make it to round number three again. But yeah. who knows how the season will play out, where we'll be when the trade deadline hits, and what well, these teams will look like heading into the playoffs. So count the players here. We say they off. It's point. It's guys that are at a point a game or over a point a game on the Ottawa 67s. One, Luca Pinelli, 28 points in 20 games. Draft-eligible player. Vincent Rohr, 26 points in 20 games. Cameron Tolnai, 24 points in 20 games. Jack Mateer, 23 points in 19 games. Um, Brady Stonehouse, 19 points in 19 games. Defenseman, I'm going to mention this. It's not a point of game, but for a defenseman who you really – you saw the capabilities there, but you didn't see the capabilities of being just two points under a point a game. Anthony Costantini, 18 points in 20 games. Cooper Foster, a rookie, 17 points in 20 games. Brad Gardner, 15 points in 20 games. I mean, this team just comes at you in waves. Um, Jack Beck, 13 points in 10 games. There's a point a game player. Um, That's up to six. There's one more. Tyler Boucher has 11 points in 11 games. The Ottawa first-round pick. Seven. This team, like, they just come at you in waves. There's seven players there, Reese, that are at a point of game or better. That's, like, that's a recipe for success. And it goes back to our point when we mentioned that. Obviously, the players are number one in the pool. In the pool. Mm-hmm. Players are number one. But I think there's that factor there with Dave Cameron being such a structured coach. And, by the way, the Ottawa 67s by far, by far have the best power play breakout in the Ontario Hockey League. There's a reason why they're so successful on the power play. Their breakout, screw the drop-off, basically. Dave Cameron's <laughs> quote, this is Dave Cameron on on the drop-off. If you He knows how to defend it, so why would I do it? That's the clutch. I don't know why these teams keep doing that. It sucks all the momentum out of the breakout, and it's just annoying. Like, Unless you have a good skater or a Pavel Datsuk or a Patrick Kane, someone that's really good with the puck, why even do it? Why? It it makes zero sense. Um, Hamilton's good at doing it when it's Avery Hayes and it's a balanced attack, not too high, only one high. And even then, it's shaky. But there's not a lot of teams that I think looking at this could do the 
could do that drop off pass on the power play breakout. I don't like it. Um, I and I know that I know that originally it was to get set up quicker and to draw space to have pick plays at the blue line, right, for the puck carrier to see a lane and have options. But it slows everything down. And two, it actually doesn't make. I don't think it makes teams set up even faster. I think it's actually slower. I think it catches everybody flat-footed. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, because you have to stay outside, right? So, like, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the drop-off. I know you're not, Reese. And, no, I really, I, I, and I'm not surprised that the power play is so good because of that. Yeah, and the only reason I'm not a big fan of it is because there's not enough guys who have their feet moving going into the exactly. zone. Too there's many no, guys there's actually still. no options. Yeah, like it's it's yeah. you have a guy charging into the zone. You're asking for a suey. Yeah, so okay, that one guy is all alone below the hash marks, whether it's to the inside or the outside, and four guys have to start from scratch and try and catch up. So your options really are to only go to the point where the defenders were standing as they tried to stop you from entering the zone. So unless you get a clear lane yeah. to the net, which, I mean, props to you, because you probably pulled off a Datsuki and moved to get there, um, it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I'm, I'm, I've always been a fan of having multiple guys moving their feet, not standing still. And essentially the I drop pass generally- is that. You're standing still with two options at the blue line, you know, hoping to drop one off just inside, but at the same time, you have defenders who are learning from that, and they're just staying on those guys because they know you're going to carry the puck into the zone and try and find one of those guys because then you'll still have two defenders in your yeah. zone covering one puck carrier. And then you've yeah, got to like, worry about the other guys when they get into the zone. I like what Hamilton had last year when they had Steos in the lineup, right, where he was so good finding finding space. And, I mean, they'll do that with Gavin White. But – I like when some of these teams have that when they had the luxury to have a defenseman like that. Obviously, one of the best defensemen yeah. in the Ontario Hockey League last year. Well, the best defenseman in the Ontario Hockey League last year. But I like those power plays too, where you have the option on both sides, like you mentioned, coming up with speed. Right, you have a guy in the middle, then you have right or the left to defer to. Pivot one way, all of a sudden there's a seam pass open the other side. I think that generates so many chances off the rush for the power play and allows you to get allows you to get bodies to the net and really get set up and it. It also allows you to get multiple opportunities, and the Ottawa 67s do such a good do such a good job with this power play breakout getting set up because it they just pick on the weak side so well, and they score so many weak sided goals. I watched the power play here tonight; they score a weak side goal. There's space there that all the space that all the time in the world to pick a corner, and this team's just nasty right now. Mm-hmm. And they they're doing the little things right. When you do the little things right. And when you win the special teams battles like the like they are, it's a recipe for success and it's a good year. So they just want to keep going up on the roller coaster, not down or stay the same. Yeah. By the way, I'd love to give a shout out to the guy who is trying to win a prize at the Erie Insurance Arena wearing a Craig? Jim Craig jersey. Yeah, that is that's incredible. That is solid. It, it, you can you tell he, he he cannot shoot a puck to save his life. So, I mean, thank God he's wearing a Jim Craig jersey because that means he just has to stop pucks, not score. Hey, there are some goalies that are snipers. I just always look for the seam pass that plays. (laughs) Well, it explains. What was your success rate? (laughs) You know, hey, you know what it is? You just, you turn and say, hey, I had my guy. (laughs) Yeah. Why'd you move? All right, that's fair. Why'd you move? Yeah. I'm the goalie. Why'd you move? I had it on your tape. You gotta have those. As you said, one about four feet in the air. There's nothing worse, nothing worse when you go out behind the net and you got a little bit too much on the pass and you hit the guy right in the knee. Like it just takes off toward his knees. 
There's nothing mm-hmm. worse than that than giving up a goal five while those wins are tough. Yeah. But oh, well. yeah, that's not very fun. No big deal. All right, uh, time for a break. When we come back, we'll give our overall thoughts on this past weekend, run through the headlines of the week, and we'll move on to this next week of action, next weekend of action in the Ontario Hockey League, finishing off the show with, of course, the power rankings. All of that is coming up next here on the OHLN60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL and 60 podcast. I'm Reese Devaney along with Colin Ward. Run through headlines of the week and games that caught our eye this past weekend. I'm going to let Colin Ward go first while I try and get back my throat because it hurts like hell right now. So Colin Ward, you are up first, my friend. Yeah. So I have, I have three things that really caught my eye this weekend. Um, slash week and i'll start with the week school day games we've had two school day games this week reese i love them i think that's great to get kids in the arena because the bet one of the better crowds friday night after the wednesday home game in hamilton where it was electric at first ontario center like that was incredible you could barely even hear reed duffy on the call on radio could barely even hear him it was so loud in ottawa the day before on tuesday i love i love the idea especially as we get closer to christmas time Santa, I know him. As I got to keep the Will Ferrell uh, quotes going. What up, Matty Rowe? But, yeah. <laughs> but I think that as we get closer to Christmas and stuff, I think the I think the school day games are so important to grow the game of the Ontario Hockey League. And I think it allows the younger audience to really get attached to hockey. And, I mean, the best, of it, the best part of it all is the kids that aren't fortunate to go to Ontario Hockey League hockey games. Um, I mean – Prices are getting tougher to go to these games, right? And I think that's really the best part about that. You see the whole community, you know, you get to go out with your buddies in class. There's a class trip, you know, six, seven, eight get to go, or five, six, seven get to go to the hockey game. I think that's right on from each school in that city's area. Mm-hmm. And it's a, I think it's a special time, right? And Christmas, it's, for a lot, some people, a lot of people at Christmas, it could be the worst time of the year for them. And not the best time. So I think it's important that that's like they keep doing these games. It grows the game and it's really good for the league. It's good for everybody. And Friday night, the next game after the Hamilton Bulldogs game on Wednesday was one of the better crowds. There's a lot of, a lot of parents going with their kids to the game. I mean, more than usual. I mean, a lot of times on Friday nights in Hamilton, you see the $5 beers pregame, right? So that's why you see. A lot of people going there. Yeah, you see a lot of people going to those games early because of that. But there's a lot of kids there and along the glass and warm-ups, which I think is really cool because the Bulldogs are so generous, right, with giving pucks out to fans during warm-ups and stuff, and a lot of teams are. And it's pretty cool to see all the kids around the glass and stuff trying to get a puck or watch their idols up close. And I think a lot of that had to do with the kids going to the game, right? And they go home, they bug their parents, hey, I want to go to the hockey. I went to the hockey with mm-hmm. my school and with my class i had a blast it was so cool and all of a sudden now you're the main attraction in the city and i think it's so important to do that so school day games i hope that keeps going here and i hope for next year i hope the league and the team and the teams really encourage it to really keep growing off this and have more as we get into november december have more of these as we get closer to the christmas break 
Why not? It's a really good call. Because when we were in school, heck, if we were in school and we were lucky, lucky enough, I mean, I wasn't being from Delhi, but if I was lucky enough to go to a Bulldogs game, a Rangers game, or a Knights game, and obviously I grew up going to loving games, but if I was lucky enough to go with my class to that, I would have been so pumped. Like, I would have been doing all the trivia things, like, with my buddies and stuff. Like, it would have been so cool. So, keep, go- keep going with that. You know, let's, grow- let's grow the school day games because these things are incredible. And they're for a really good cause. Well, well, what was really cool, the, uh, the Ottawa 67s did there's a Canadian Tire Center. Yeah, and they back the NHL building. Event. Yeah, that makes second it even. crowd of the year of that place. That makes it. Yeah. Yeah, sixty sevens town. Yeah, now. but I think I think that's what makes yeah. the experience a lot better, especially in Ottawa. You get Kingston, which is a rival of the sixty sevens. Oh, and you're doing it yeah. in an NHL building. Oh, that's pretty then sweet. So that that sells it a lot, uh, a lot better too, right? Then you legit have a field day on ice too if you're the sixty sevens. Yeah, it essentially was, was impressive. Seven to yeah, one, I think a, the final score was. So yeah, that was impressive. Yeah, but that's a, that's the one thing that caught my eye. And I hope they keep that going. Um, my next one, Reese Shane Wright, going down to the American Hockey League for fourteen days or less. This is the reason why I want to say that it, you can only it's a loan. It is not a send dummies. He had have to go to the CHL, so, and that is a Frontex, obviously. So. Here's my theory on this, Reese. I think that it gives the Kingston Frontenacs 14 days to trade his rights because, quite frankly, he's not going back to Kingston. The Seattle and the Seattle Kraken just don't like Kingston. That's what it has to be. There's no reason to keep a kid up there for, to not play games and get around practice and now you send him to the AHL. In my opinion, I think I don't think he ever wears a Frontenacs jersey ever again. And Here's the positive for Kingston fans. Frost fans, I know you're going to be all over me for this after I just mentioned Ottawa dismantling you guys, but this isn't the case. Picture this right now if you're a Kingston fan. You get all those picks for Shane Wright. You get all those picks for Shane Wright. And there's a lot of negative news behind the scenes on Shane Wright for media in around the Ontario Hockey League after last year. There's a lot of questions. You get all those picks for Shane Wright. You put in a bid for the Mem Cup next year. Picture how good your team could be. Picture how good your team could be for this opportunity. So, yes, it's unfortunate when you hear that, but I doubt Shane Wright puts on a Kingston jersey ever again. I doubt he does. But the opportunity for a trade with the amount of picks they get back and the amount of prospects they can get back for next year would be impressive. I look at the deal – I look at the deal like what Hamilton made when they traded Robert Thomas mm-hmm. or would love and trade Robert Thomas to Hamilton and they got Connor McMichael back. Mm-hmm. McMichael the year after was a 35 goal score. Well, uh, well, and that's if you're Kingston, you look for the picks, obviously. You look for those second, third round picks. You also look for a stud rookie in yeah. the Ontario Hockey League this season. That <laughs> is a must include on a Shane Wright trade. And yeah, you know what team is willing to give up that? stud rookie you doubt it's going to be sam dickinson that's going to leave from london whether or not the knights are in it yeah testo i think would be the one to go over dickinson yeah um obviously you would have to think the london knights are in on it um yeah you know it's it's tough to think about really who who would be a rookie that teams would give up i don't think spence would go anywhere from erie 
Uh, no. It's tough to think Michael Mesa is going to leave Saginaw. Don't look, don't look now, <laughs> but what about Sarnia? Just acquiring Sasha. Yeah. What a trade that was getting past us. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting situation because I think I agree with you with Kingston. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think he comes uh, back, but because he has to, they got 14 days to make a decision because it's a loan and he has to go back. The loans in the American Hockey League sent down are just 14 days. So they have 14 days to make yeah. a decision. Either call them back up or send them to the, to the CHL and that's Kingston. Yeah. So it's, yeah, tough situation, but you would think a former first round pick is on the table for the Kingston Frontenacs if you're giving Shane right away, along with seconds, thirds, and fourths. Yeah. Like, I don't think you get a pick exactly. lower than fourth or fourth round. Obviously, if someone just wants to throw in a 13th yeah. round pick, I don't understand why. Let's see. But so the Brennan Offman deal, Artem Guriev, who's a good defenseman, very good, rugged defenseman in the Ontario Hockey League. That's what Flint gets, plus a Peterborough third round pick, a Hamilton second round pick in 2024. And the third round pick, by the way, is in 2023. And a Peterborough third round pick in 2026. So four four assets for Brennan Hoffman. Yeah. So if you're giving like if you're giving up a young you're giving up a 16 year old for sure. And then picks. Probably three picks if you're giving up a and it's a first round pick has the option to waive the no trade clause, but you're looking at it. You're looking at a potentially the same offer for Brendan Offman because Brendan Offman is an MVP favorite in the in the Ontario Hockey League. Yeah. So probably around the same deal. And by the way, the Sasha Pastajoff deal was arguably a bigger trade. Max Nemestikov going to Guelph, great pickup, great pickup for the Guelph Storm. They get a Kitchener second round pick in 2023, a Niagara third round pick in 2024. A Sarnia fifth in 2025 and a Barry fifth in 2026. Four picks and a really good hockey player who's going to finally get a chance to play regular top six minutes. Yeah. So that's the type of the trades we're looking at for a potential right deal, I would assume. Yeah. Well, I think also part of this deal is you don't got to just convince Kingston uh, to trade you the rights to Shane Wright or trade you Shane Wright. You need to convince the Seattle Kraken. To yeah. get Shane right again, whether or not Kingston has a wonky relationship with Seattle, whether or not they're and we think yes or no, some, like yeah, it's, yeah, it's an it's a weird situation why they wouldn't just do it. I understand giving him nine games in the NHL. I understand that that is fully worth the trial period, and then to just sit him for five games in a row sounds like, like this. That. Like I saw on Twitter a couple times, sounds like this was planned uh, for the Seattle Kraken. Again, whether or not that's true, we have no idea. So we're not going to say for sure if it's true. It can be a tryout in Seattle but, where they're just going to have him light. It. If he lights it up, he's going to come up. But if he doesn't, he's going to go down. To, yeah, he's going to go down to the L. Yeah, so it's a sales pitch to Kingston, and it's a sales pitch to Seattle on some level. Um, seven games, probably by the way. Seven games, by the way, this year for Wright. He's a plus one, or he's a plus four. He has one point. That's an assist. So I mean, plus four. Yeah. Yeah, Seattle's a tough team. Seattle's improved a lot. Seattle's a really good hockey team. But it's just interesting. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting to see what happens. By the the looks of it, it looks like Seattle just doesn't want want them to go back to Kingston. And when you see all these rumors coming out 
from individuals on social media about a trade who have credibility of breaking trades before the Ontario Hockey League. It makes you think that that is the case. Mm-hmm. And for the Kings of Frontenacs, I mean, you could make that a positive situation for yourself if you can get the picks after you just put in a bid for the Memorial Cup. And by the way, on that topic, I know the four of us from Hamilton Reese have a new team that should bid after watching that game on the weekend. The Saginaw Spirit. Mm. Oh, wow. they That's a good hockey team. That is a very good hockey team for the future. It's a young team, and it's for it, and it's a team that is going to be a wagon next year. This team's going to be really good next year. So I'm excited to see what they can do. But that's a team that, where it's too bad the Memorial Cup isn't in Ontario in two seasons, not next year. The year after, the perfect host would be the Saginaw Spirit. Be the perfect host. They might be there either way, mm-hmm. but it would be better if they were hosting it because that team deserves it. And I can tell you right now, can you imagine? I mean, best media room in the Ontario Hockey League in Saginaw. And, and it's an underrated facility, in my opinion. It's an underrated facility. And they got the top, they're going to have a future top pick of a National Hockey League in his draft year in two seasons. So, I mean, that's talk about marketing the chance to market in a game in a league where marketing hasn't really been great it's been kind of behind the eight ball you could say the entire hockey league's marketing and chl in general the marketing hasn't really been great kind of old school but yeah that's something for me where i think saginaw would be a good host not maybe not next year but the year after they'd be really good but unfortunately it wouldn't be here in two years but good chance good option yeah, I would head then, back out east in two seasons. Yeah. And then my last one, mouth guards. Or I guess it'd be three years, but yeah, yeah. mouth guards, yeah. <laughs> wow. There was a lot of mouth guardage situations this week. Too many to count. Ooh, mouth guardage. Um, that's a solid that's a solid yeah. saying right there. Yeah. But like wow. I got the I got the picture. I can't say how I got this or who gave it to me, but I have the picture of the rule book of helmet removal, mouth guards, throat protections. It's incredible, the rule. If you're on the bench, they could call you for it. That's basically what a member from the league. Can I say what the role is, Reese? Or you think that's giving away too much? No, go for it. An off-ice official from the Ontario Hockey League, one of the main people that at the arena – you call up for – they're the ones looking at the goal reviews. That's the person looking at the hits in extra time. And – which I'm surprised. I'm surprised they're talking to us after what we did last week there. How I uh, chaired about doing these seven-minute reviews for absolutely nothing. And then I still did that this week after the fact. I mean, I think it's pointless that we're having seven-minute reviews on a high stick. I think that's dumb. But I think it's a waste of time. It takes the flow out of the hockey game. I mean, that's a judgment call all day. But it's very interesting how you could be. So he essentially told me that if you're on the bench, and I think he means if you're standing, like if you're like preparing to go over, like to make an on-ice movement, and you don't have your mouth card in, that's a 10. They're just 10 guys right now. And, and Reese, we both, the explanation we got is, is the dental bill. That's a big liability, so that must be a focal point right now by the off-ice officiating crew that 
that's the message going to the on-ice officials that the Ontario Hockey League now, and we saw this last year, and we see this all the time with the visors. We see this all the time when there's certain periods where the league will go ham on this, and they'll just call everything they see on this. Some you won't, but then there'll be occasions. And this is the perfect time to do that. And there was a lot of mouth guard situations. And the one that I heard was you could be going on the ice. You could be sitting on the bench. If you have one foot over the bench, they can call it. So that's very interesting. And the rule book, it actually states that too. All in here, you know what? Why don't you read it, Reese? Go for it. All players must properly wear a fully colored dentist mouth guard that covers the back molar teeth, which is interesting because they always chew on them. <laughs> I was going to say they're either. deformed by Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. I used to go through like one a month. I hated wearing it as a goalie. Neck guard was the most important, I thought, but I guess they're both important. Should an official be informed by a coach or a player or notice himself that a player is not wearing a mouth guard, the referee shall then assess the player a misconduct penalty for mouth guard violation. So that's interesting. Can you imagine if you're coaching? And, the, and Bob McKenzie has a story about this. But can you imagine you're coaching a team and you notice a mouth guard situation? And you're just tending guys, like that would be like that's such an advantage. Like if I'm another team's coach going into this week, I'm watching for that. Hey, I'm calling the ref over at after a break or something. I want an explanation, and I'm just gonna say, or I'm sending my captain over, and I want to tell them, hey, uh, check out so and so. They don't have a mouth guard. That's a big advantage. And I know a show guest, Francesco Pinelli, got picked at twice and twice this weekend. So that's very interesting. We heard some. We saw one example where the player had the mouth guard in his glove. Probably sat on the bench, and many times you do this, right, where you're sitting on a bench, you put the mouth guard in your uh, glove pocket there, there's a little seam where it'll fit perfectly. And it could be one of those things where he just hopped over the boards and instinct, right? You didn't even think about it because when the game's on, you don't have time to really think about mouth guards and stuff. Like you, It's hard to do that. Right? You're so invested in the game. But he just went in the corner – Referee noticed it. Boom. There's a 10. And right away, you can see the player take the mouth guard out of his glove and say, oh, I had it in. But he even knew it once he got called. It's one of those things that you forget about. But, yeah, it's an interesting rule. And I know next thing you know, they're going to be looking at the visors. We got an explanation about that as well, about the visors. So don't be surprised here over the next couple of weeks, we see the visor calls start to get called. So if you're a player listening to the show, and I know we have a few that listen to their players, and she get that visor low because now the referees will be calling out as well after the mouth guard situation. And it's just strictly they've been told about the dental. They'll have a dental they have a dental agreement there in the Ontario Hockey League liability. So that's from what we heard right from an off ice official this week. And um yeah, that's why that's been called. They're just cracking down on it and the off ice officials have been told about it and the off ice Officials have made the on-ice officials aware of it, and that's going to be the main topic of discussion throughout the week and probably throughout the rest of the month. Yeah, always around this time you see that. I was going to say, we're in that phase right now where it's just getting called on multiple occasions, um, almost to yeah, a point exactly. that's ridiculous, but at the same time, you have proof it is in the rule book. So, Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. They could also get a minor penalty on the play, it says. He be he shall be assessed this this misconduct penalty upon conclusion of the play. So what 
So one part of the rule book says once they get in play, the other one says after the play, so they'll explode dead. That's what it's been happening so far. Okay. And then it says if it, if it's a repeat, if there isn't a repeated uh, offense, there could possibly be a minor penalty. I mean, the referees don't want to go there. The referees don't want to go there, but then it could be a minor penalty. So now it's almost it, like in baseball with the box. Now, does it specify whether it's in the same game, repeat offender, or just in general? I'm assuming game. I'm assuming yeah. game. Yeah. But didn't Penale get two in a game? Or was that? Um, I'll look I think that up. Two within a week. I don't know about two. Yeah. In a week. Friday. Friday night. I know he got one the exact same night. Hamilton had a bunch with Ottawa. I believe mm-hmm. there was six called in that Hamilton Ottawa game. Liam Armsby got one. Um, I don't want to name off players who got it, but yeah. there's a bunch going on. We're looking for it right now. And uh, if you're a player listening, just keep that mouth guard in. Keep it simple. Because in my opinion, I kind of think that's a selfish penalty. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, can you, like, I think that's an unnecessary penalty. If you if you have details, like if you're a coach that sticks to the detail and stuff, that's totally not, you know, that's not okay. And there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to say that, hey, we don't do that here. We don't. That's a that's embarrassing for some teams. A lot of teams around the league, that's an embarrassing moment for them, and mm-hmm. that's just something they don't need happening. And that's not part of their culture. That's not part of their identity. That's not the detail at all. And it's tough to see the older players on your team who mostly that's what the calls are going to be on. It's mostly going to go to older players, but tough situation there, but uh, yeah, pretty wild. Also, do you see the Marty Williamson uh, splash there at post game on the weekend? I did not. I think I missed that. Okay. I'll look for it right now, but um, congratulations, Marty Williamson coached in game number 900 this past week. So congrats, Marty. Nine hundred games. I'm looking for it right now. And he's what? He also won his 500th game uh, in the Ontario Hockey League as well. Yeah, I'm just sending you that right now. Okay, just sent it. Should we play this live? Just you can play it live if you want, just to hear the emotion. And it just sticks to the player. It sticks to like how much. And we talk about this right, the player coach relationship. You can't say Marty doesn't have that dressing room. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. And just listen to that. Here, I can play it quickly, Reese. It's it's 15 seconds. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I I was just watching it now. All right, ready? That's Marty. Great coach, great leader. Does a lot for us to push all the great teams and special be part of. So, that's how you 500 to win. Listen to that. That is pretty sweet. As he gets dunked with water post game after getting yeah. win number five hundred. Congratulations, Marty! And I just wanted to make sure I didn't forget about that because what a coach, what a coach! A lot of success, and um, it's just cool, right? We talked about the player coach relationship. You can't say there's not one there, so yeah. that's pretty cool to see. Yeah, that's just one of the headlines from this past week as well. Ryan Callahan's number 24 heads to the rafters in Guelph. Shout out to the suit that he's wearing. That thing is really nice. Um, 
but yeah, no, that was cool to see in Guelph that moment. Uh, another number up in the rafters at the Sleeman Center. So that's always nice to see when teams are able to do that. Um, I still remember when Windsor did uh, Taylor Hall's. They gave away Taylor Hall bobbleheads. Yeah. On that, one. that was clutch. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I got the Knights one. You know when the Knights are the team of the century night? Yeah. When they had they had the uh, – here, I'll grab – they had the pennants. I have oh, one of that's those. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, here, I'll grab it and show you. Hopefully nothing comes falling down. Nope, we're in the clear. But yeah, here it is yours. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, the 05 team. Yeah, that's so, pretty cool. Yeah, so I got one of those. And then, by the way, speaking of milestones, if you're in the Hamilton area, you have to pick up this book. The Hamilton Bulldogs have a book out right now about yes. their season last year. It's called Top Dogs, OH, 2022 OHL Champions. It legit highlights from game one to the last buzzer in game seven against the Windsor Spitfires. Plus the Memorial Cup, obviously. But there's so much in this book. Um, it's incredible. Uh, $20. $20 has a nice autograph, autograph page on the very back of the book as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, MVP of that team, Logan Morris and Avery Hayes, are pretty generous post-game. Go get an autograph rather than get this book signed. I mean, cheese, Coach Jay McKee. Yeah. You know, a bunch of good options there. And uh, get this book signed because there's options and it's a really good book. If you're an OHL uh, collection junkie like we are, get this because mm-hmm. it's a very good book. It's a very good book. Also, some really nice quotes too from owner Michael Anlauer as well. So check it out. Very good book. It's very well worth it. So yeah, worth $20. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, All right. Another headline. This just happening on Monday. Uh, Bo Akey, Quinton Musty have been upgraded to a ranked skaters uh, by NHL central scouting. They got news dropping on a Monday. Uh, Love it. Love that. Um, of course, both being named B skaters on the preliminary list that was released uh, on October 25th. Aki, the Waterloo, Ontario native, 13 points through 18 games this season. The former 19th overall pick in the 2021 OHL priority selection. As for Quentin Musty, of course, former first overall pick, the New York native. He has 21 points in 18 games, 75 shots on goal, leads the Sudbury Wolves. And this just all leads up to draft day at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, June oh, what a place to draft 29th. What a spot to get drafted today, Nashville. Nice spot. Yeah. Except for By the way, we... country music, but you know. Uh, we saw that uh we saw that picture though, uh from the Pred Shop of a show guest, Phil Tomasino t shirts or shirts, yeah. I guess you call them. Those things are nice. Those are pretty cool. So that was pretty cool to see that. So I'll say you go down to Smashville and get the you can get the Phil Tomasino shirts or a jersey. Mm-hmm. So have fun with it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um goaltender of the week. From the Peterborough Pete's Michael Simpson. We knew this was gonna happen eventually. <laughs> um he yeah. was two and star. This past week, he had a 1.50 goals against average, save percentage of 950. One of those two wins was a shutout. 26 saves against Oshawa. 4-0 the final score in that game. And then the Peets 
defeating Mississauga. 31 saves for Simpson. That was a 7-3 final score. So very, very good performance. I think we also are going to shout out Ben West, who had 82 saves in two games over the weekend. He was also in conversation uh, for this award. And then shocker, Max Donoso, uh, and the winning streak stays alive for the Ottawa 67s as he was 2-0. So, um, yeah, great performances all around, that's for sure. And then Matthew Potra, OHL Player of the Week. Eight points. A couple of storm victories over the weekend. He had two goals and six assists. What a play. Storm came from behind against the Niagara Ice Dogs. 6-4 win. Four assists, four primary assists uh, for Poitra in that game, and three of them coming in the third period. Also, Storm defeated the Rangers 5-3 to three on Saturday. Another big game uh, as well. Also in consideration, Ty Nelson, show guest, not a big deal. He had six points over three games, two goals, four assists. And Max Nemesnikov off to a hot start yeah. or a great start, I should say, with his new team. He had six points as well, three goals and three assists um, in Get his that chance, right? debut weekend. Yeah, exactly. So Get that opportunity to make the most of it. Yeah. All right, that ends the segment. When we come back, the power rankings to round out yeah. the show this week on the OHL and sixty podcast. Welcome back to the OHL and 60 podcast. I'm Reese Domaney along with Colin Ward. One final segment before we wrap things up, and it's the power rankings. Got a few minutes left here. Colin Ward, you are up first. Yeah, so a little bit of change, um, which change can be a good thing, I guess. Five. So first off, I'll leave I'll leave off of last week's uh, so you can see the change. I have North, I have North Bay five. Windsor four, Owen Sound three, Saginaw two, Ottawa one. So five this week for me, Reese, is the Sarnia Sting. What a weekend they've had. Um, they had a tough one there with Barry. Obviously, Marty Gaines 500th win. Um, good, very cool uh, scene there at post game. Good win for the Barry Colts. But I still, I, I still have Sarnia five. I like Sarnia's team. I liked them last year as a team coming out of the West this year. Then acquiring Sasha as well. Pasta is going to be a big difference maker for that team, I think. So, Sarnia five for me. All right. Five for me, uh, Peterborough Peets. Um, you know, a couple of wins over the weekend. It's very good Mississauga team uh, included in there. Uh, they're 12-6, 1-2 on the year. They've collected points in seven of their past ten games. Um, yeah. It, it's just... <laughs> It's just tough to chase Ottawa right now. That's all that's in front of them uh, in their division. Kingston, three points behind them for uh, second in that East division. But Peterborough Pete's uh, playing really good hockey. Othman's just going to add to the talent on this team. We've already seen it with the Pete's. So uh, Peterborough is in the top five for me this week. 
Yeah, for sure. Four, four for me is North Bay Battalion race. I think North Bay is a team had a rough one this weekend, but they played. They had some positives, I guess, too. They had negatives and positives, like every team does in the Ontario Hockey League. But for me, North Bay's four. Um, this team's a good team, Reese. I like their team. I think they're deep. Um, I like the trade they made this past week, too. Um, Bloom's going to be a huge difference maker for that team. I think he fits that Houlihan system perfectly. Um, I'm very excited to see what he can do there. North Bay, for me, is my fourth top team in the Ontario Hockey League this week. Uh, fourth team for me, Windsor Spitfires are still in the top five for me. Um, okay. They, yeah, they – 12 wins on the year. Yeah, six and four in their last 10. It's not what they want to be, but you know the talent's still there for the Spits. They've still got really good goaltending. Um, I talked about the hiccup they had against the London Knights last weekend, and it was a pretty big hiccup. They did not play good at all. Yeah, um, it was. The Windsor Spitfire still a very talented team in that three spot in the Western Conference. Um, so they're number four for me. Yeah, for sure. Good one. My third team reached the Peterborough Peets. I mean, this team had a good weekend. That win against Mississauga was massive. That was a massive win for them. Um, I like this team. I like their top six. They're a tough team to play against. It's kind of the opposite of Ottawa because Ottawa is that team where there's a young and up-and-coming factor with it too where they can get guys back. Obviously, you're going to lose guys, but they have a lot of guys in their draft here that are playing very good hockey right now in Ottawa. Where Peterborough, this is kind of it. Where this year, we're going to throw it all out there. We got to win. We have to be a contender this year. If we don't win, we might be in another two- to three-year rebuild if we don't win. And that's tough for a fan base where when you watch games in Peterborough and come on out to the rank there. Get on out to the rank in Peterborough. Support your team because you got a really good hockey team this year. and Get out there and support them. But when you watch games right now in Peterborough, it looks pretty empty to me. So hopefully the fans get out there and support the Peets here as the season goes on because that team's a very good hockey team, mm-hmm. and they're my third team on my rankings this week. Yeah, three for me, the North Bay Battalion. Uh, they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. Uh, talk about Ty Nelson, the great uh, play that he – or the great job that he has right now or has done. It's just North Bay Battalion or number three for me. It's – yeah. Good hockey club all around. Again, it's just in the Eastern Conference. It's just a chase to Ottawa. The same spot that teams were in chasing Mississauga um, early to the middle of the season, and then Hamilton as as things went on. But um, that's really how you can judge these Eastern teams is, all right, Ottawa's one that's not even close. Um, How does the rest of the competition stack up against them? And you kind of have to base it off of how do you like their chances against against Ottawa if we get into a do or die situation late in the year, or even in the playoffs, um, I think that has yeah. to play a lot into it. And of course, how they're playing match throughout up. the week. But yeah, just how they match up in North Bay Battalion matchup again, matchup good against a lot of teams still in the Ontario Hockey League. So uh, they're number three for me. Colin Ward, I think these top two are pretty obvious and the same for both of us. But yeah. let's go through it anyways. I think Ottawa's two, right? No, they're not. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. pretty obvious who's two yeah. and who's one. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, so two for me, uh, Saginaw Spirit. Yeah. Saginaw. Psych. Yeah, the yeah, right. Psych. <laughs> the Saginaw. Yeah. <laughs> the, Keith Yardle. But the Saginaw Spirit, 
or my second team. And I mean, this team's good. They're young and up and coming team. This team's going to be a thorn for about two, three years in a row where they're going to be very good. And you're just not going to get away from them. I mean, you're going to be near the top of the stakes next from now and on out for the next two, three seasons, they're going to be up there. Yeah. And it's like before, right? Saginaw doesn't know what a rebuild is. I mean, they know something in the water of Saginaw where they only need one year off. And next thing you know, they can take three steps forward and, their drafting has been incredible, and Parrick's a really good hockey player. He really because it's not just Michael Misa. And the thing about Michael, and we had to get and you had to get talk with Troy Isakar about this too on Saturday. Reese, how Misa gets in spots to score, which is a very good point. It, he just gets in these spots. He gets in these areas, and that's a knack of for to be a very good goal scorer. That's what elite goal scorers do, right? They get in spots where they can score goals and be an effective player. And Mises so good at that. Parrick's a star. Parrick's the most un- – he might be the most underrated player that's a rookie in the Ontario Hockey League right now. He's that good. And I'm very impressed with Saginaw. So Saginaw's two for Yeah, I, I got Saginaw too as well as I, as I talked about. And, yeah, the point that Troy was making is, you know, specifically in that game, Ryan Humphrey had numerous chances around the net. Oak – just stood start. on his head all night or all afternoon long. He was so good. One of the reasons why uh, Saginaw came out with a victory. Um, but yeah, you talk about Misa. All he has to do is have a stick on the ice. Boom. Teammate finds his stick. All he has to do Man. is just put it into the empty net and just puts himself in a good oh, yeah. spots to score. He gets behind defensemen. Uh, it's, it's almost not fair a lot of the time. And that, that just speaks to the level of talent and why he got exceptional status, right? He, you talk about rubric, how yeah. you know, not getting exceptional status. Um, and now he's lighting up <laughs> U16, by the way, uh, and Junior B when he's up. But uh, yeah, Misa, Misa got it for a reason. He puts himself into positions to be successful. Coaching helps with that. Uh, but sometimes the player just has to take over on his own. And at times we've seen Michael Misa do that this season. So um, that puts Saginaw two for me and Ottawa number one. Because they have 18 wins and one loss. <laughs> yeah. Possibly 19 be... because we're recording on Monday. They may be angry, <laughs> but. Yeah. You know what? You would. Can I say this? Can I say insane? Yeah, I can say that. Yeah, because if we count be... this eerie game, they're over 100 goals scored in 20 games. Yeah. You would have to be insane. Not to have the Ottawa 67s won in the OHL in a power ranking. <laughs> like, please, if that's the case, just please, like, just tell me why. Because I feel like every single person has the Ottawa 67s won, and that's mm-hmm. the way it should be. That's the right answer. That is the right answer. And yeah, Ottawa won. Now it's at the point where if you're not picking the Ottawa, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, basically the question, have you been drinking, comes up. Yeah. 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 All right. That is the show for this week. I got through it. My throat hurts a lot, but we got through it. Be all right. Yeah. Power through. Caps off. Caps off. Oh, yeah. We're good. Um, Yeah, it was a fun week again. Uh, Lots to talk about. Um, Lots to debate. We always do that. It's always fun. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We really appreciate it. And we will chat again in seven days.